Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Key in the Lake Podcast. This is your host Jake speaking. Uh, don't worry, this won't be a long intro or anything. We're not going to go WTF on you or anything like that. Uh, I also apologize for the lost voice. I've been at a whiskey events all week talking to guests and uh, consumers at events and pouring whiskey, drinking a little bit of whiskey. And I also went to a concert at one o'clock in the morning after Riot Fest. So kind of a little bit lost of voice from a nice, uh, fun weekend here of full festivities. But I uh, just wanted to let you know that we had some technical difficulty difficulties on this podcast. Uh, it was all on my end, nothing to do with Sagamore. Um, about 30 minutes, 31 minutes into the podcast, uh, our microphones just shut off and the recording halted for a little bit. Um, so you'll notice that there after is kind of a dramatic stop um, from Chad Albertson, who is one of the guests from Sagamore, uh, talking about the industry and then it kind of gets cut off. We lead into there about the 31-minute mark with uh, Brett Bauer, who's also a second more, our two guests on today, uh, talking a little bit more about some of their whiskey. So that's what the confusion might be. Also, in the last 25 minutes, um, the back end, um, only one of our mics was working. Uh, fortunately, it was the mic that picked up the most audio. So um, we have basically four voices kind of speaking um, a little bit further back on one mic. Uh, just because for some reason uh, some of the switches didn't get converted, all that good stuff, uh, or bad stuff actually. But um, just wanted to apologize for the low quality of sound on the back half of the podcast. The first 31 minutes sounds great. It's a great conversation. Brett and Chad really brought a great uh, perspective to the industry, speaking from a rye, Maryland side, and also with like their combined you know, 40 years in the industry. It's a great conversation. I just apologize for that back end where it's a little bit uh, rougher audio, but definitely you can still hear everything. Nothing's really lost in the conversation when it comes to um, quality and passion and a little bit of knowledge about the industry. Just a few of the voices are a little bit faded. Chad was sitting close enough to the microphone that um, it worked. Brett was, it was actually Brett's microphone that was working the best. So his sound is perfect. Um, Chad's is all right. Uh, Wilson's is pr pretty much caught up there. And I just didn't really talk because I was trying to figure out the uh, audio <laughs> um, problems, difficulties going on in this podcast. I'm not an audio engineer. I'm a whiskey ambassador. So I try my best, I, but I do apologize for the uh, low quality of sound. But like I said before, it doesn't take away from the great conversation um, that Chad and Brett brought to us today. So I hope you enjoy the um, about 55 minutes worth of great conversation in this podcast and enjoy the rest of your week too. We'll talk to you soon. Hey everybody, welcome to it. another week of Key in the Lake podcast. Wilson's talking. Over hey, me. young world. Officially, officially, we're started hey, now. Hey, young world. Want to say it one more time? Hey, young world. Great. Uh, we are hey. back uh, here live at Beguile International Recording Studios, also known as a brewery in Ravenswood, neighborhood of Chicago. Today's a pretty special day over here at uh, Beguile, Wilson. Yes, it is. It's a very special day here today. Uh, they are releasing... Uh, their annual barley wine. Um, it's called it's barley wine six six three. Obviously, it's a barrel aged bar, bar, uh, barley wine. I honestly, I I really feel, I feel really bad, but I don't remember which barrels? Uh, whiskey barrels they uh, aged this batch in. Um, but I'll, I'll figure it out in a couple hours when I go down there and <laughs> try it. He'll tweet it out. <laughs> also, they're actually having four variations. Um, variants. Variants, sorry, of, of said barley wine. Um, there's a 
a good one, a very good one, a delicious one, and an old-fashioned variant, which I'm going to hit up after we, after we conclude our... People listen to this Yeah, days later. after we hang out with our new friends But bottles here. will be available to purchase. Bottles um, are available to purchase. limited to supplies. Bomber so bottles are going for 15 bones. If you're listening to us right now, call Beguile up and see if they have any more bio- bottles for up. Katie. K- K-A-T-I-E. She loves to answer the phone. Ooh, good to know. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, we are back here, um, and Sagamore is back on the show this week. They were, what, about a month ago or so? Yeah, it's about a month yeah. Now, I think. Brett was on. That's Brett's lovely voice right there. Hello. Brett is back, and also so is Chad. Chad is new. Uncle Chad, we hear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Uncle Chad. Uh, happy Friday, Friday, guys. Yeah, yeah, that's what we're here, that's what we're here for. Yeah. We, uh, we're here for Friday the 13th, because as we're recording right now, it is Friday, September 13th. Um, but, yeah, Brett was on the show. We talked a lot about the history of kind of where he came from, Sagamore, what they're doing, and after we get close with the mics, you're kind of like, oh, Friday the 13th, let's get them back on and see what's going on with that. So, gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks. Well, thanks for here. having us. Yeah, yeah definitely. Glad to be back. So what is this whole Friday the 13th? What's going on with that? Yeah, so Friday the 13th uh, really started three years ago. Okay. So we use it as a platform to celebrate when we launched. So we launched uh, three years ago in May on Friday the 13th. Oh. So it's pretty clever yeah. because most places can only do – once a year, they celebrate that. Yeah. You can do multiple times a year. For sure. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So we launched three years ago in Maryland. Um, it's a lot of excitement, a lot of hard work. Um, and now we're in 34 markets and getting ready to go international. Sweet. Doing a little blitz today in Chicago? Yeah. Yeah. It's seen, I think we have 22 accounts in the city today that are doing some version of an activation. Um, and then 30 accounts total. Wow. Um, five tastings out and about um, in the Vinny's chain. And then um, just cocktail specials. Um, we're visiting some accounts, getting some people involved, and just kind of celebrating. It's kind of our Super Bowl. It's our our, yeah. big, our, our holiday. The next one is in December, so it might be a little harder to pull some things off. Um, so we're we're really excited for today, and just to to have our this is our sec our third that we celebrate in Chicago nice. for a Friday the 13th. I almost asked if that Friday the 13th in December is around Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> might yeah. be. There you, there you might, go. Might be a couple my, days. My, ma- my math skills that. are so yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> not sure why I just admitted that now, but I didn't have to. Um, <laughs> awesome. Uh, is there anybody you're partnering with to kind of do this whole day or just kind of going all around the city and checking it all out as much as possible? Or Yeah, we've worked with Breakthrough and, and, and kind of did a pre-sale blitz in August and, and have a good handful of, uh, like I said, the 20 accounts and the ones that stand out to me, um, not to, un- it, hopefully I don't forget anybody, but um, <laughs> Well Street Market has got us on a, a nitro uh, cold fashion with uh, Mr. Black, uh, the Monkey's Paw, Schoolyard up north, um, the Jerry's, Bo's Jerry Sandwich Companies, uh, Andersonville and Lincoln Square, um, Money Gun, Bub City, uh, all the Rocks locations. Nice. Um, and there's a couple other, uh, Untitled, and is going to have a Sagamore cart tonight, I believe. Oh, and cool. And a few other good things going on, so. Why um, I was turned away all week. <laughs> Not talking to a mic. Uh, sorry. Hello, Mike. <laughs> Wilson and I are sharing a mic with this episode because yeah. my, um, technical my technical skills suck. suck. I was a journalism <laughs> major, not an audio engineer major. So. Go ahead, Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, thanks for uh, Friday the 13th. It's just, it's just pushed me out of the market. I have everyone said no to me this week. I was like, no, not this week. Sagamore came by. Oh, oh, you must have met Jessie. Yeah, she's a hustler. Yeah, yeah, she's good. 
Did you meet anyone else? Maybe a, a male <laughs> form of Jesse, who's also a hustler. <laughs> oh, you mean Brett? Yeah, Brett. Okay, well, you know what? I'll just see you in October, because by the time this is all over, you guys are going to be all sagged out, you know. And, and you know. And, <laughs> then the uh, horse can ride and in. And the horse can ride in after that and clean it all up. So, um, no, but seriously, it's been, I've noticed yeah. such a big buzz. Cool. This whole past week, seriously. Cool, appreciate um, it. It's been it's been really cool to see, knowing that you know we know each other, we be, we became friends, and then knowing Jesse, you know, um, from previous lives and all that. So it's 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 really cool, especially when you know them, especially you know, when you know the actual representatives and you know what's behind the company. You can't help but become a fan and say, "Fuck yeah!" Appreciate you know, it, man. Appreciate Ryan, it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, big time. <clears throat> yeah, like it's that, actually right part on. of an even bigger, larger activation. So we have probably close to 300 accounts nationwide yeah. uh, that we're activating in. So we have 22 sales teammates that are That's doing awesome. what Brett and I are doing tonight, and Jessica Sweet. running around. So we've got marketing folks in San Francisco, New York. Uh, Activations in Texas, Florida. So every market we've got teammates in, we're doing a lot of activation. And even some markets that we don't have teammates, uh, you know, like in Ohio and Arizona, mm-hmm. Colorado. So it's really exciting. Nice. So why, why is it that there isn't team, that there aren't any teammates in those? Is it just not a like established market yet or is it just you don't have boots on the ground period? There? So, yeah, when we really made the effort um, and the choice to put feet on the street, as much as we can in the major markets because, you know, we're a small guy from Baltimore. Yeah. Um, and we also know that distributors are going to do as much as they can, but they have a lot of other brands that they've got to sell, a lot of bigger brands that right. really keep the lights on. Yeah. And we're that small guy. Um, and we know we've got to really get on the feet on the street to interact with the accounts yeah. and work with those accounts to get that volume going. Mm-hmm. Eventually, hopefully, we'll be part of that, you know, keeping the lights on. Right. But we, we've got some runway ahead of us for that. You know, it's funny because you, you you speak as though you're only in like five markets, but you're in 36 <laughs> and about to go into international. Yeah. What yeah. international? Can we ask what international? Sure. Yeah, we're in Japan in? and then we're getting Japan ready to go to some other spots in Asia. Nice. So we've got an international sure. sales director out of uh, very Oakland, Very specific. California. The other so, spots. Yeah, the <laughs> other spots. Yeah. As vague as I could be. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, we heard Brett's story with the company uh, last time he was in town. If there's so, kind of give a refresher maybe to, maybe we have some new listeners since then. I don't know. I, I think we do. I think we have about 15. I'm glad you said that off mic. Are they all your sisters still? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Minus four, so 15 minus four. 11 news. <laughs> but Chad, we'd love to hear kind of uh, your relationship with Sagamore and how it all started and kind yeah. of what your background was even before then. So my background, I was working for a local distributor in Maryland. Nice. So I was there for about 13 years, had a strong on-premise background, and then I was managing... Best running um, back playing quarterback. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So on-premise sales rep, and then I was an on-premise division manager uh, managing that. Then I went into a business manager role. I was managing the portfolio for Brown Foreman okay. for Maryland, oh, D.C. Nice. So, you know, nice whiskey no. portfolio. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, small supplier. So they were great to work with. And then I heard about this, you know, Sagamore starting. And I'm born and raised in Maryland, so to work for a local whiskey company was a dream come true. And started stalking Sagamore on LinkedIn, you yeah. know, waiting for a sales job. And then one came about and jumped at it. And and got hired, and nice. that was uh, about three and a half years ago. I was employee number six, so started right before we launched, um, and that was a whirlwind. So yeah, awesome. yeah. What uh, was there certain points of like working for a company back home that you wanted to do, or is just kind of the draw of being there with another local guy, kind of like an athlete going back home to his hometown? Yeah, yeah. Maryland loves Maryland, yeah. so we're very similar, like like Texas. We've got a crab lot of case in football, pride. right? Exactly, crab <laughs> case in football is what it's about. <laughs> We may or may not have an obsession with our flag, so it's on everything. Hey, we in Chicago have an obsession with our flag, too, so it's no problem. Yeah, you guys have a great flag as well. So we put it on on everything, 
Yeah, and to work for a local company, you know, having a whiskey background uh, was super exciting. Yeah. Um, you know, the culture was really important, too. So in my first interview, I knew the culture was really, really good and a great fit for me. Meeting people like Brett. <laughs> so, yeah. That's awesome. No, because I think there's a passion. I mean, I'm from Iowa originally, but almost been here a decade. And representing our products, even though Wilson and I don't work for a Chicago company anymore, it's all about, like, how can we bring it? the Chicago experience to our companies and spread that out to uh, the rest of the city. So I can really appreciate that. Um, what was it kind of about whiskey in general that made you want to be in this industry? Was it something that drew you to it? Was it just a sales job, marketing job that you thought I could fit into? Or is it a passion for it? So I wasn't really a whiskey drinker before I got in the business. Okay. So I knew kamikazes and from fraternity formals. <laughs> and like, didn't really know. I knew about Jägermeister. Yeah. And uh, that was it. I learned about Tuaka when I was... Uh, Tuaka's oh, big oh, in Maryland. It was big Tawaka. in Maryland. It's still pretty big. You know, working I have at no TJ idea Fridays. what you're talking about. It's a Brown yeah. Foreman brand. It is. Uh, was. Was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Vanilla liqueur. Yeah, yeah. T-U-A-K-C-A? Yeah. T-U-A-C-A, I think. Yeah. yeah. Was it coffee? No, no. Vanilla liqueur. It's a, yeah, it's vanilla. Yeah, it's, it's the poor yeah. man's Grand Monnier. There you go. So it was a big bartender shot. Yeah. So because it was cheaper than Grand Monnier. Mm. <laughs> uh, so I was doing construction and was looking for a change and called my buddy's dad, who worked for the distributor out there. Um, he worked for Sidney Frank mm. and Jaeger and was like, hey, I'm looking to change jobs. He's like... I got you. You've got the gift of gab. Totally hook you up. So he hooked me up with an interview, got hired, had a starter territory down in Prince George's County, which is outside of D.C., mm-hmm. uh, which was interesting. Uh, it was highly um, large Hispanic influence. Yep. Most accounts, their primary language was Spanish. Mm-hmm. I, no hablo español. <laughs> so it was, that was very challenging for me. But I showed up. And most people, nobody else was showing up. Yeah. So I just kind of showed up and started putting table tents in Spanish, and nobody else was doing that, and kind of just grabbed it. So, which nice. is exciting. Good for you, man. You're yeah. Not yeah. You got to. I'm afraid. Yeah, you didn't sell stuff. No, I'm just, you know, no, I just appreciate the the hustle in that sense because it's it's one of those you see you don't see very many brands going into call it what the underserved markets mm-hmm. for lack of a better term and we have several of those here i mean we're a very segregated city as it is already so it's easy to know where you want to do business and where you align well when it comes to business in our industry but there is so much more business in a sense that they're kind of behind the not behind the times but they're they're not like cocktail bars on the north side and near north side and in the river north area cocktail bells are everywhere hotels and everything the south side is yet to scratch the surface. So that's like, if you can get be the first ones in there and be loyal, which, you know, people of culture, of my culture, that has African-American culture and, and, and um, called the brown, you know, culture for another. <laughs> Wilson's Mexican. <laughs> I'm not. Anyways, not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just not. Anyways, um, but it's, you know, it's, it's it, there's, they're still developing. There are still people who are venturing to go and open those and then you know to to bring it to level you know with the rest of the with with the city so it for you to say that i commend you on that because i always tell people at times like go down there it's it's open market yeah it's opportunity really and you know as a commission sales rep 100 percent commission yeah you know my territory is my territory so either i can be like I'm not going to call on those accounts, and I'm yeah. just going to take what they order, and that's yeah. it. Or I'm going to try to expand the business and try to grab some of that share. Mm-hmm. And, and when you're dealing with on-premise, a lot of times these accounts are just ordering stuff because they've always ordered it, especially Correct. wines by the glass and yeah. things like that. So sometimes showing up is all it takes. It's all it takes. It's like, why are you ordering that wine? 
Yeah. Uh, I don't know. We all we've always done it. We've always well, done it. What about this? It's the drink. same price. It's just as good. Go ahead and switch it out. Yeah. So. Good for you, man. Yeah, it was good fun. For you. Yeah, it's it's one of those that here I think, you know, um, how, Brett, you're here a lot. You know, how do how have you, you know, perceived the that side of the of the that market? You know, opposed to what you you know where you're going to get. You know, you where you're at now. How do you perceive that underserved market? I think. Or how do you approach that? If, if you, the problem is the eighty twenty rule, which I've never enjoyed the eighty twenty rule. And, mm-hmm. and and the bigger the brands, I guess maybe the more true the rule is, where you know eighty percent of your business comes from twenty percent of your accounts. Yeah. And we're stretched. I mean, you know, I'm Ohio to California. Mm-hmm. Just has got all of Illinois. You can only get to so many spots. Yeah. But I hate that eighty twenty rule because I feel it's lazy. I feel like that's and again I clearly wrong because people keep adhering to it yeah. but if you hustle a little bit more maybe it's 60-40 maybe it's 70-30 and, and I've, I've done some good business in Hyde Park I've done some good business on the west side um, yeah. with different brands and it's just showing up and then they don't expect to see you again and it's like no I'll be back like, yeah right that's what yeah. the last guy said yeah. then you come back and like oh wait hey order two bottles this time and I'll come back and like, yeah, yeah uh huh and then they order the two bottles and you show back up they're yeah. like alright next thing you know it's like how did you like Chad said why, why is this on your cocktail menu why, why do you I don't know, someone at Breakthrough put it together for me, and it's just what we've ordered for the so last two years. It's like, well, hey, can, I, can we mix it up? Can we do that? So when, when you are willing and hustle enough, I think, and put the effort and time into it to actually explore it and be committed to it, there's success and there's opportunity there. The problem is I think a lot of people, it's, it's you're on a work with. So you, you go where he takes you, yeah. and it's like, all right, well, that wasn't exactly brand right, and then you never follow up again. Some good meetings, some good buyers, some people that are interested, yeah. but you go back to that 80-20 rule, you never get that they don't work into that 20 so you, you don't make it back so in my experience if you can make time for it and, and do it the right way there's a you know same with the suburbs i mean i know you guys joked on the, when matt was here last that no one knows where oswego is yeah uh, i thought i had taught you guys that last I, time i know where oswego is i go i go i go i go hiking near there every once in a while say it's, yes i do if you go oh you, you go back i actually ran through uh what's the park over there oh there's a few of them i know yeah. no get out of here but um, I think the same can be true, though, for the Rockfords, the downstates, the, the yeah. you know, even if you take the, the, the type of person or the demographic as far as um, race and, and, and income and all that, but look at just geography. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people that don't get to Oswego, and there's opportunities there. It works for me because I live there, but same can be said for, you know, further west, further north. 100%. Yeah. yeah last time I did in Rockford, there's guys buying $300 bottles of whiskey, like, yeah. re- repeatedly, right yeah. and left yeah. from the store. Is that. It's like, okay, well, we need to come back here more. We just sold seven bottles today, but we'll be back, and now we have, like, three year tasting just in, like, November up, mm-hmm. up there and a couple more during OND. So you're 100% right. It's pursuing where that market is. Don't, like... Don't let per, I guess, uh, stereotypes judge you where you're going to yeah. sell it. Just do what you're doing. Where you know, fish where the fish are is true. But again, and I get the eighty twenty. I just think yeah. that's a lazy answer. I think the re- true answer, if you're really out there and doing it right, is sixty forty, maybe seventy thirty, depending yeah. on the brand and, and, and what it costs, et cetera. But and it'd probably um, take what like two accounts for you to say account that we both bet all three have been to this week. Probably like we're all going to the same places right. repeatedly. So you're stretching into those markets where it's untapped or just not as tapped, it's uh, something beneficial for us too. And, and for the, those in the industry that are, do what we do, you know, I, I, it's so refreshing. <laughs> Get in your car and yeah, I might sting. I'm driving to Kalamazoo next week. Oh. And I can't wait because I'll be the only supplier they see. Yeah. You know, me and the guy, and it'll be the only supplier that walks into the building that day. We can all go see 
Gene, well, Gene doesn't do spot appointments. But we do. Yeah. We could all walk into whatever account down the road here, and we're the fifth, sixth, seventh unannounced person that walk in today. Not to mention his five appointments to get his order in. Yep. And everyone else he's seen, you know, he's they see six, seven, eight. They're, I don't blame them for being short. Or hey, I've already spent my money. I've already spent all day talking to people. Come on Tuesday mornings when I see people. And that's why it's beneficial to have places like Mourinho's Liquor down the south side and do what Mike's doing down there, mm-hmm. where his bars. I don't think it's open yet, but he's opening the bar. Yeah, it's, yeah, op- yeah. it's uh, opening up attached to Mourinho's, which is like the best liquor store by far on the south side. It's Moreno's. Moreno's. Yes, Moreno's. I used to sell them Moreno's. a lot of uh, Grand It's, it's Dan Moreno's. <laughs> <laughs> Dan Moreno's trucks and pizzas. You are right now not being nice to his name, man. I'm Moreno. Moreno? <laughs> there you go. Mike, I love you. Um, but, yeah, just having places like that. Um, but, yeah, get back into Sagamore, back to Chad, back to Brett. Not focusing on us, Wilson. Is that okay? Is that okay? <laughs> um, what do we? What I do we taste? Time to drink what we, right? I was gonna say, what are we drinking today? Yeah, yeah please. So, yeah, go ahead. I think we've got the first one is Muscatel. No, so, the, uh, this way. Oh, sorry, the oh, double sorry, oak. Sorry. I brought no, the yeah. Last time we were here, we tasted through our three core. Yeah. Which is the signature, the cask, the double oak, yeah. and then we threw port. And we've sold a couple of bottles for you recently. Yeah, so you. yeah, just uh, just let you know we'll 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 be we'll be invoicing you later. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll charge you back for those drinks at Bernie's, and we'll call it. Oh, there we go. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Fantastic. It all comes back around. <laughs> but no, one real quick thing is, like, I was actually at a tasting last weekend, and someone's, like, uh, buying single malts, so I sold them a single malt of ours. He's like, I really want to get more into rise. Where should I start? And it's, like, went both the, both the Union Horse and the second more. I'm like, all right, these are my buddy's companies. These are also not my buddy's companies, but really good tasting rides, high-quality whiskey. They're local companies to where they are, but crafts, distilling, but making really great drinks. And just walking him through there. And I think he took a bottle of Sagamore. I don't remember which one. I think the port, fin- I think the port finish. Oh, cool, um, but he's like, I'm going to have to keep this one in mind. For uh, He's a little scared of the 112 proof <laughs> of the ride. He, he shouldn't be. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, but it's, it's just... It's kind of like we all say. I mean, every once in a while, we all help each other out. Yeah. As, as one goes, we all go. Um, yeah. Which well, kind of showing the whole detail of that. And yeah. you put it perfectly, too, is, is when we tell retailers and trainings is, Riot's cool. Yeah. It's hip. It, it's really progressing. It's growing nationally. It's double-digit growth. It's outpacing bourbon right now in terms of growth percentage. Yep. We don't have the volume yet, but we're getting there. Exactly. We are definitely a great introductory rye, mm. and that really goes back to what Maryland used to do. Yeah, so Maryland used to do a Maryland-style yeah. rye. Yeah, it was yeah. a sweeter-style rye, and we have a little bit co- more corn in our double mash bill, so it's a little bit sweeter. It's a lot more approachable than a lot of your other mm-hmm. Pennsylvania-style ryes that have you know 95% rye content that are big, bold, and spicy. We're more approachable. It's a little bit softer, so it's a great introductory rye. Um, also holds up really well in cocktails. Yeah. You know, with our signature, it's only 83 proof. Which is kind of light. You yeah. know, you think 83 proof is going to fall apart, especially if it's got any fruit forward notes to it in the cocktail. But it doesn't because it's got some spicy notes to it of that rye. And that's really our main mission is to really inspire global passion for Maryland rye uh, whiskey. Mm. Again, you know, because there's this great history and heritage of rye being made in Maryland. Uh, we like to say uh, we have an acronym called BOB. Yeah. Have you met Bob? Have you met Bob? Right. Bob is Bourbon's older brother. Because rye whiskey was being made before yeah. bourbon. Yeah. So it's a fun play on words, but it also ties that bourbon into it. Um, so it's great intro rye. So where it's fun. You, where do you see the rye market kind of going, trending up still? I mean, obviously, it's been Ooh. a thing in the last 10 years where it's really come back. And um, it took a little bit later approach, I think, than bourbon did. I think bourbon was a few years ahead of it. But, yeah. um, but now with, like, so many companies producing great rye, softer rye, like you said, more approachable, not so spicy, but a little more on the sweeter end and just a softer tone, lighter and brighter to it. 
Um, where do you think it goes from here? There's a reason why bourbon's so popular. Yeah. It's because people drink sweet. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like people drink, they talk dry, you know, with wine, but they mm-hmm. drink sweet. Yep. You know, they talk Cabernets, but really they're drinking Merlots and Pinot Noirs. So I think there's a lot of runway with rye. I think we're really just getting started with it uh, nationally. With the trends, you're seeing more and more of your large suppliers are really coming out with rye. Yeah. You know, they're coming out with different expressions of rye. So I mean, MGP's releasing a whole line of rye. Yeah, right, <laughs> of their own, right. Yeah. Um, the first rye I actually ever had was Woodford rye. Mm. So I was in Kentucky. I was doing a tasting with Chris Morris, the master distiller there. Yeah. Um, and we had a group from Maryland in there, and they brought out Woodford rye. And they said they were testing it in Kentucky and a couple other markets. And he was like, well, you guys know about rye. You're from Maryland. And we're like, oh, kind of, maybe. <laughs> we do. And that's before I really knew that much about it, even though yeah. I was born and raised there. And we tried it, and I was like, wow, that's really good. i got to kind of start checking out this rye thing. And in Maryland, uh, Pikesville rye, we had a mm-hmm. white label, Pikesville rye, not the green label that's kind of out there now, was really famous there. And that's what my dad drank, my grandparents drank. That's what, you know, oh, I remember Pikesville rye. Out there, um, and they left kind of in the 70s, and they were bought by Heaven Hill, the recipe, and they started making it down in Bartstown, Kentucky. Um, so it really kind of fell out of favor. Um, and then I saw it at the distributor where you started seeing back bars, didn't just have Pikesville rye, but they had a couple other ryes, mm-hmm. and started more and more. Liquor stores didn't have rye sections. It was kind of mixed in with bourbon, and we still see yeah. that a lot now, yeah. too, yeah. Is you don't really have quite a rye section. Yeah, American whiskey. You're seeing it a little bit more in yeah. some stores that they have rye sections. So it's definitely expanding. Um, it's not a bad thing that the flavored vodka section is shrinking a little bit. <laughs> and the whiskey section is actually getting bigger. Yeah. Neither do I. Um, so I think tastes are definitely changing. Rye is exciting. Uh, yes. There's a reason why everybody's getting into it. So uh, it was really fun for us, you know, the fact that we started thinking about this before rye really became a thing. Yeah. Because it wasn't like... Let's do what's on trend. Let's make right. a bunch of money. You know, this is popular. This is gaining popularity. We want to get in on the ground floor. It was, no, we want to make Maryland famous for making rye again. Right. That was the mission statement. It wasn't, you know, well, yeah, rye's going this way, so we're going to get on board. It's like, no, nah, we don't know anything that's happening with rye. It's all about Maryland. It's all about really promoting Maryland-style rye. Yeah, that's cool because even um, we're, for those who produce the Sagamores, the Union Horses, and the other you know, distillers that are producing high-quality rye and very flavor-forward rye, um, we're reaping the benefits of the, I guess you can say, the the bourbon boom that's been going on. Mm-hmm. Like, shit, there's no bourbon to buy because everyone was buying it up or whatever. And All right, so what can we get into now? Well, there's this rye yeah. thing mm-hmm. that's coming up. Let's try that. So we're kind of, like, riding that as well. But, I mean, I what I dig about you guys is that that's what you do. That's all we do. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's just what you do. And that was really, that. that was very focused, and that was very leading in terms of we wanted our first product to be rye, and that's why we were, you know, contract distilling for three and a half years, because our first product had to be rye. Gotcha. Maryland wasn't famous for vodka. It wasn't famous for gin. Yeah. So we wanted to build that distillery. That took several years to do. We released the product, and you know now we're laying. We've been laying down whiskey for the last uh, about two and a half years now of stuff that's made in Baltimore, and that was a conscious decision. You know that we wanted to wait, not making a dime for three and a half years <laughs> while tough. we were contracted stilling, having somebody else make the whiskey for us yeah. and paying it up front. Yeah, so, that's tough. Yeah, but it was it had to be right. But now you're you're producing all and all yourself, right? Uh, yeah, every, uh, yeah, yeah. Everything in the bottle right now is four years old. Just sourcing facilities, years. right? Is that what you're doing? 
are you using other facilities right no, not anymore or no everything okay. everything in the bottle is still contract oh it is okay but yeah, yeah we're still we're distilling aging have our own rick houses yeah. our own distillery um pot still which is it's kind of for fun and then a column still that we run yeah uh, and two double boilers yeah. so don't don't tell the distillers it's for fun <laughs> well, I, we, we they're very focused Sorry. it's for Brett, that's innovation. too far the distillery. Right. I, I, I think it went in three years ago today and and, yeah. and big plans for it not yes. big fun plans gotcha. <laughs> and yeah. speaking of fun so back yeah, to, what we were drinking um, so yeah. i brought our innovative line um and there's five of the seven that have been released i think we had a vintner's finish and a different cognac finish that never made it to Chicago. They were Maryland and, and D.C. only. But all these ones have, have come to Chicago, and I'll let Chad speak to them. But first one was the Double Oak, which I think was this one, which you tried last time, yeah, but was one of the first part of Yeah, that. so, you know, when we launched, uh, we had Signature, we had Cask, and then um, we kind of played around with this Double Oak. So um, our Cooperage came to us and said, hey, we got this cool technology. It's called a Wave Stave Barrel. Mm-hmm. Do you guys want to, like, test it out and play around with it? We said, uh, sure, that sounds exciting. So wave stave technology is you've got the inside of a stave uh, inside the wooden barrel, and it's got grooves cut on the inside of that. So it's kind of, it's waves. So, uh, and parts more surface area for that whiskey to soak into that barrel. So you're going to get a little bit more vanilla notes uh, for that. So kind of getting the pores a little bit faster. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. So we we actually aged the double oak at the very top of our our big uh, Rick house in Baltimore. So really taking advantage of that heat over that summer. So we do it for four years uh, in regular barrels two separate mash bills. Uh, we then dump them and fill them into those wave stave barrels mm. for about six to seven months. And again, at the very top of that rickhouse where it's super hot, really allowing that whiskey to soak into the pores of that barrel. And we released it and it, everybody loved it. And it was originally going to be like a limited time, one and done, but it did so well. We're like, well, we can bring it back. So we can just get buy more barrels. And we did that. So now it's, it's part of our permanent lineup along with the signature cask and the double oak or the three that we we'll always have. Yeah. A little citrusy taste to it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. The oak comes through really nice. It, it does. originally was going to be an LTO. It is now just recently a part of our core. But I thought it fit in nice because that's kind of the road we traveled down. And the next one, um, which I poured for you guys as well, is our Muscatel, which mm-hmm. I'll let Chad speak to. Um, probably a little bit still out there if you if you look carefully at, at a few minis. Um, maybe EOB and some, but um, really, a, I'll let Chad again speak to it, but I love it. It's it's really, really funky. Um before Chad gets in, it was tough here because we kind of we, we were brand new. So you had, what is Sagamore? What is Maryland Rye? Yeah. What is Muscatel? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Now if we came back with it right now, I think we would we, we would crush, especially if we switched up the label. But yeah. um, but I don't think you guys have tried this. You, you probably won't see it in too many bars. Yeah, the Muscatel finish is, is, is was kind of fun. It was really fun for our distillers. So what are we've got a team of distillers. We don't have a master distiller. So what our guys do is they went up to this barrel broker. I think it was outside of Philadelphia. And they were going up there not with the intent of finding a specific type of used barrel. They go up there and they just nose the barrels. And they've got to take a whole bunch of sensory breaks to kind of reset, you know, the nose and the smell. Um, and they're just nosing barrels looking for something that's really unique mm-hmm. and different. And then they, they call down and to the distillery and say, hey, we've got a couple of barrels. Can we buy them? I said, sure, let's do it. So the guys brought back these and they were used Muscatel barrels. So we had no idea what was going to happen with it. We just wanted to give it a shot. So the guys filled it with our rye whiskey, and uh, again, for about seven months. And then we dumped it, and you got the Muscatel finish, which nice. was people who have had it and who know it uh, love it. And yeah. it's really great. But I agree with Brett. Like, when we launched, it was kind of like this fun thing. We put it out there. But we hadn't quite established ourselves as a brand mm. in some of the markets. Um, I think if we re-released it, it would do great. Really, it's like a Manhattan in a glass. Yeah, so it's really granular. Yeah. It's it's really great. Um, 
some people, it's a love or hate sort of deal. But um, really a fun release, and hopefully we'll see it again maybe down the line when we're a little bit more established and yeah. you can lead the narrative on what Muscatel finish is versus trying to, you know, what do you get, two minutes, three minutes, sometimes 30 seconds to try to explain everything we were doing and then Muscatel. It just was, it was tough, but really good juice. So if you do see it out there, um, the bottles that you see out there are it. There's, there's no more in the system. So um, I'll grab one. It's, it's, a, it's a good value buy right now at Benny's. We, when we released it too, is you know you can see you see the label, which is very similar to the Double Oak and our signature and cast products. We kind of looked at that, and being a new and young company, the great thing about our company and the leadership is we know we're going to change. We know we're going to have to pivot. We're yeah. going to have to learn about some new and different things. So we came out with that label. and We said, all right, I think we can do a little bit better. Uh, let's try to work on that innovation. So now you have the port finish, and it's a little bit of a different label, and that's going to be kind of what we're doing moving forward where it's very pronounced of what type of finish it is. It's yeah. got a really great drawing that mm -hmm. our graphic design team does, um, and then it will be part of our distiller select hmm. series to where our guys are still going up there, finding different barrels and then bringing them back, back to Baltimore and doing some finishes. It's amazing how creative you guys, I, I love how the creative you guys were up front as a company doing all that. Did you feel like it could set you back though a little bit because you're already a new company? Um, you're coming into markets that are relatively new to rye. I mean, this is three, four years ago, right? Mm -hmm. And is that, was that more of a, was that a harder selling point for you or was that something you wanted to establish yourself as? So it, the, the great thing about the company is when we got into this, nobody had the playbook of how to launch a brand. For sure. So nobody's got that experience working with a big supplier going, ah, oh, I've done this before. This is how you launch a brand, <laughs> this and that. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah. So you don't know what you can't accomplish. So you just go at it and you go, you know what? I know about branding. I know what sells. The bottle itself is so innovative, something completely different. The fact that Sagamore Spirit is not super pronounced on our regular bottle when you look at it, there's no doubt what it is. It's a rye whiskey, and that sure. was intentional. Yeah. Because you, when you look on the shelf, you see brand name, brand name, brand name. If you don't know what a brand name, what they make, you have no idea what it is. Granted, you're in a section, but you've got to kind of look at that label. You look at our bottle, you're looking for rye, rye's going to hit you in the face. Yeah. Yep. You know, you're going to see that. Um, so that was very intentional, and that was really exciting coming into it is I, I've always been an out-of-box thinker. Okay. You know, I like challenging the status quo and doing things differently and trying to come up with different stuff. Um, and I think that can kind of <clears> get <throat> a little bit stale in this industry. This is where the mics turned off. Audio difficulties. And welcome back. Well, while we were down, we, we missed the revisit of Port, the world's best rye. Yeah, world's best rye. If you see, if you see it, it, well, San Francisco Spirit Competition said so. That's not, those are not my words. But uh, if you see it, grab it because it's gone. And then we also poured, which Shaq can speak to, um, our cognac finish, which is a limited release that should hit Illinois stores Wednesday. Mm. Yeah, so cognac finish is a really fun, uh, again, another project that our distillers went out and found these really great barrels. They were used uh, barrels from a very large producer of cognac in France that I'm probably not allowed to say who it is, but you guys can probably guess who it is. Um, again, nobody knows. Speed Diddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Speed Diddy's uh, cognac. Um, it's not. Um, so we, we had this great 30-year-old cognac casks. We filled our rye whiskey in those casks, those used casks, and let that sit for about seven months. Um, and you'll really pick up some great notes and some great sweetness uh, from that finish. Oh, wow. And again, this is limited. Uh, it's a, it's a one-and-done. You know, we have a certain number of cases nationally wow. in the market, and it's a great follow-up. And arguably, some say, especially in the sales team, and I think some of the marketing team, is uh, it's a great follow-up to Port that we did win World's Best Rye Whiskey at the San Francisco Global Spirits Competition, 
most of us think this is actually better than the Porter Crush. So it's fantastic. We just got a 98 rating yesterday from Tasting Panel. Wow. Uh, that's the yeah. highest rating that's awesome. we've gotten. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. pretty incredible. So where you panel? insert a round of applause and post. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not only does he want a visual, but he also wants audio. Yeah. Sorry. I listen a lot. I, I can at least talk back this time. I listen to <laughs> you two and Matt all the time. I'm talking to you guys. I'm like... I love how getting your, uh, your comments. Your messages, and you're like, sitting here smoking. I wish I could respond back to you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... It should be better information than we're giving. <laughs> Most Are you guys going to so, be at Indie Spirits? Yep. We'll be there. Oh, yeah, good. Yeah. 26, I believe. Uh, sure. And you're doing something before or after? Uh, we are doing a party at... Or not party. A uh, demo at Delilah's after... But are, are you doing a podcast beforehand? Oh, yeah. Uh, so Jamie. Monday. Yeah, Jamie. Monday. Jamie, uh, who definitely is pretty good yeah. uh, for everybody out there. She's uh, taking it over for Uncle Marty. And we're doing a podcast on Monday before at uh, Fountainhead with Bob. Okay. So we're just Anybody who's in the industry. Yeah. yeah. That's not the cigar rooftop night, though, right? No, that's, no, that's uh, Thursday. Thursday. It's a busy week. It's like March all over again. I know. Yeah. If I'm in town, I'll, I'll come out for the, sure. Uh, Thursday is at Fountainhead as well. The roof deck, um, they're doing a cigar and whiskey pairing. So okay. I think last year was the first year for it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we were, we were there, yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, yeah. Um, are you doing it this year? I don't know the answer to that. I might have to pay him a visit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll say we're not too far away. I don't know what time they open, though. Uh, well, they might let me in early. I know a few people. Yeah, it'll be big yeah, Indie Spirit's a good show. Dave does a good job, and, and I'm excited to see um, how I've, <laughs> I've already... <laughs> Jamie's done a good job, I think, adding things like that, and kind of let's make it our fall whiskey week, so to speak, um, which would be kind of cool. She's really excited. We're just happy. I mean, I'm lucky enough to have our distiller in from Australia that week, so it's kind of a great, it's been great. Oh, cool. Nice. Uh, the last thing we brought, and then maybe you brought what you said you were going to bring, but... Um, I still have some. Um, the four-year-old Portuguese honeymoon whiskey? Oh, that I forgot. Oh. Man, I should have sent a reminder. Um, we, this is not what's going to be bottled. This will be bottled uh, in October, but we've... Distill, a downstate brewery. Um, does Dos Vidania rye and Dos Vidania bourbon aged beers that always win the FOBA or whatever, the con, you know, December yeah. barrel aged contest is called. And they've used Sagmore barrels. Uh, one of our former distillers had a good relationship with them, and, and they've used Sagmore barrels the last two years. Oh, wow. They sent us back some barrels. We threw some beer, or beer whiskey in it, and um, we're hoping to release it early this year, but some, the government shutdown kind of <laughs> set us back a little bit. Um, but an Illinois-only release. You're the first two people that don't work for Sagamore to have tried this version of it. Uh, a little bit different than what will be bottled in October, but, but you get the idea with that big uh, dark chocolate finish on the back end, and it's that healthy chocolate, you know, that 99% cacao stuff. <laughs> it's like a drink of whiskey and a bite of one of those, right? Like, um, but really excited for this to come out, and um, you know, we'll, we'll let everybody know when it hits. Hopefully it will be here in November, uh, maybe do some events with Distill. Um, and, and things like that, but uh, it's got amazing nose. Oh, yeah, and this wow. this is so much fun for us to do. And you know, doing barrel aged spirits uh, after with beer and wine <clears throat> isn't, isn't new. 
but doing it on a really small scale and kind of like a micro scale and really getting hyper-specific in terms yeah. of certain markets uh, is relatively new and we're really excited, uh, you know, working with those guys uh, to do that. We did something very similar with Sierra Nevada in Maryland. Um, you know, we came up with Friday the 13th, Friday, Friday. We're like, this is brilliant. We should copyright it. This is great. And we get a copyright and we're like, Ah, somebody else has it. Who has it? It's here in Nevada. Oh. But you know who did that was Brett and the Binnie's team when they did the beer camp with those guys? Yeah. That's, oh, that so was them that uh, trademarked it. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, we, we had this great idea, and we're like, ah, oh, shoot. So we reached out to Sierra Nevada and said, hey, you know, guys, you know, we want to use this. Is that cool? They're like, yeah, you know, we're, they're independently owned, so they're, like, super chill. And we're like, yeah, that's, that's fine. Cool. Hey, you guys want to do, like, a collaboration? We're like, uh, yeah, we're, like, this distillery <laughs> from Baltimore with Sierra Nevada. Hell yeah. For sure. Yeah, for sure. So we yeah. sent one of our distillers out there who have, has a brewing background, and he went out there and worked with the Sierra Nevada guys. And they did this 100% Maryland rye. So they sourced <laughs> rye from Maryland. Nice. Uh, and they did this rye ale. And, they, you know, H&R barrels. And then, yeah, send it back mm-hmm. to us. And now it's laying down. And uh, we'll see when it comes out. But, you know, this super is... exciting stuff like that is always, again, that yeah. out of the box and really looking for different opportunities to yeah. be able to do that. Being small and nimble, we can do that type of stuff. Yeah, that's, that's what's so wonderful about, I mean, I hate using the word craft associated for what we do. I mean, call it a but it's just it's it's one of those things um where I, that's what i the flexibility that's built in yeah. already into representing a brand of that you know that size mm-hmm. um, of our of our collective sizes you know um <clears throat> one of the things that, that i become curious is don't we run the risk of becoming larger though with popularity or do we are we able to are we able to um, control that I mean I'll make like here in the state of Illinois if you produce 100,000 gallons or less you're considered right craft but if if you go beyond that if you go above that then you're considered whatever I mean What's the goal there? Is it to keep ourselves small, independent, or is it, you know, that, those are some I, things that... I mean, our, our goal is definitely to, to stay independent. Um, you know, inspiring global passion for Maryland rye whiskey is not a small endeavor. But you guys are going to international. No. Sure, so, and, that, and that's not a small endeavor. So not, we, we no. think very, very big and very large scale, but we think independent as well, and we hopefully will remain independent. Yeah. You know, our goal is not to put out, like, mediocre whiskey, but sell a ton and then sell to a big company. Which I think, honestly, let's be honest, a lot of the smaller distilleries are looking for that, and smaller breweries, and Absolutely. you see it happen. Absolutely. And hey, that's fair. That's cool. If that's your business model, you know, you're gonna have more money than I am. You know, and that's that. That's fine. You know, for us, it's really that bigger mission and that bigger calling. You know, yeah. Where, you know, we don't. I guess we're that little fish in the big pond. In the way we view ourselves, um, we're going against big whiskey. Yeah. Let's let's face it. We're not going against the smaller. You know, distilleries that are well, they're not. So we we have the biggest distillery on the East Coast, so we're we're really? pretty big. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's a large facility. Yeah, and something that Brett couldn't speak to last time because he's obviously based here is what can everybody experience at the distillery on like a day to day basis when they come by. Yeah, so it's a really world class distillery. So I've been to a lot of distilleries in my, in my life. You know, in my career, I've seen great experiences. I've seen mediocre distilleries. Yep. Uh, we have a world class distillery. We're open seven days a week. Uh, like I said, it's the number two thing to do in Baltimore. Um, it's a whole hospitality center, gift shop. You can come in, you can purchase up to three bottles, bring Maryland State Law with a tour. Uh, you see our 40 foot mirror copper column still, which is one of the biggest in the world. Uh, you see our production facility. 
see our you know 250 gallon pot still hybrid pot still that the guys are testing on, um, and it's great for us because we're right off 95. So Interstate 95 goes from Florida to Boston, right in Baltimore City. So you're driving from DC to Philly, we're back in you know New York. You jump right off an exit, and we're right there. And that's really one of the big things we're trying to get people. Don't drive by Baltimore. Stop in Baltimore. Stop in. See us. Go to Federal Hill. Go to one of the restaurants. Check it out. Um, because right now a lot of people are just driving by. They're driving to Philly. They're driving in D.C. And they're like, I'm oh, just fly right by uh, Baltimore. Uh, and getting those people to jump off. But it, it will rival anything in Kentucky. Anything on the road trips. And it's right off 95. So you don't have to fly somewhere and then drive an hour and a half to find yeah. it. Right there. There. It's right off 95. We see so many craft distillers now entering into that mode. Because like you guys did, we make all your own whiskey and get the weight. And there's a lot of patience to that. Obviously, it makes money back on it. We're seeing popularity of Bardstown now just coming into play. Um, they just launched their was a new tasting room yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Three days ago. Mm-hmm. And doing all that. But we also see those small brands get uh, eaten up, like Jefferson right now. Just to be a lot whole portfolio being sold for $220 plus million. So I guess guys everybody, in Texas. <laughs> yeah, everybody has their number, I guess. But as I hear you say, I hear other companies like Fearless uh, say, too, like, we're in this for a long Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is something that we want to do. Yeah. Obviously, they're another ride company, so it just kind of what sits there. Um, but the fact that they want to have the pride of their families, of their state behind them, and also just read that out to the rest of the country, too. It's something to uh, you know, not take lightly at all whatsoever. Yeah, we've got a lot of stories are, are really popping up in Baltimore uh, and Maryland in general. And some of the things that we're doing is with us promoting, we're obviously the biggest guys in Maryland, but us promoting Maryland style ride. Rising Tides. They're yeah. going to all those guys. So if we can get consumers to start thinking about Maryland-style rye, yeah. what's the next progression? They're going to say, what other Maryland-style ryes are out there? Mm-hmm. So they'll look for our friends at Baltimore Whiskey Company, Wine, and the other guys from Maryland and try to get those products, which is great because it's it's all a category. You know, It's all gotcha. trying to promote that as a whole. Um, and, and it's exciting. Yeah. It's great. It's great. It's something really fun to be part of. Um, we also partner with some distilleries in Pennsylvania. So we have the Whiskey Rebellion oh, tour. Oh, yeah. So yeah, basically oh, Whiskey cool. Rebellion in PA. Yeah. So we partner with a lot of distilleries up in PA um, and DC to where it's kind of like the bourbon trail, you know, but it, it's Pennsylvania, Maryland, and DC to That's where awesome. you sign up. Um, I think you, 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 you pay a fee, you know, for the year and then you get free entry to a lot of the distilleries and you go at your own pace. Yeah. So it's you really go check cool. them out. Yeah. And we're part of that. Really cool. Cool. Making yourself accessible to the public and yep. that, of course, as well. A question, if I may, you um, touched on um, something that came to mind. Um, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I guess you may not. <laughs> I guess I may not, yeah. Um, oh, um, so would you consider Maryland style rye a category? Or, I mean, if there were a category, would you, would you, um... Yeah, I think it's a subcategory. So you, sub-category. you've got, you've got whiskey. You've got whiskey, you've got American And then you've got whiskey. bourbon, yeah. Canadian, yeah. you know, Irish and all that Correct. stuff. And then you have rye. And I think we're a subcategory of rye. So we're in be there. a subcategory yep. of rye as a Maryland style. Yeah, no legal definition or anything like that. Right. You know, unfortunately, we did a ton of research trying to find out what really was Maryland style rye. You know, are there mash yeah. bills, you know, certain things. And we couldn't find anything because... Frankly, nobody really kept records, and if they did, they're not going to share them, you know, with yeah. their family members. It's like, no, we don't want to have the Nashville, you know, because this is great. Yeah. Um, so we couldn't really find anything. We just kept hearing about that it was sweeter. Yeah. Some say it was because of the corn. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the research we did says it was because of the corn, but then you also had 
some research, uh, some distilleries were using actually brandy to sweeten the rye. Interesting. So, so yeah. they're adding to that. Yeah. So yeah. there's no firm definition of it. We just know it's sweeter. I asked because um, Chris Blattner, who we had on a couple episodes again, yeah. the yogurt bourbonist, um, he did a live tasting of Chattanooga whiskey. Yeah, I saw that. Did you see it? And it was, it's, it was really cool. So he was talking to one of the actual founders. Uh, shout out to uh, Chris. And, uh, shout I was out waiting to for it. <laughs> um, but what I really found is that he, they, Chattanooga whiskey trademarked uh, Tennessee, Tennessee high rye or something like that. Or high, no, sorry. Tennessee high malt. Uh, they trademarked. Yeah. You know, and they can take it a step further. They can actually take the time maybe the, and the investment and so on and so forth you know to actually make it a category but they're like yeah we don't really need to do that yeah and that's just a little bit more than what's necessary which is what what prompted me to ask you guys because you know there is a significant you guys have something aside I mean different I, 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 yeah, yeah it I, is sweeter it, it's a great question and, and yeah. it's a great kind of thing to look at and the fun thing about the kind of a Maryland style is there's other people that are doing it outside of Maryland. So, you know, I really don't think okay. there's a goal for us to say, in Tennessee, I think you've seen some of that with the Tennessee Sour Mash. Uh, I think it's the Lincoln, Lincoln County method. The Lincoln County mm-hmm. yeah. process, and, and, that, and all those guys. And yeah. how long did that take mash, to get yeah. there? So, and, you know, I think maybe one day, yeah, you could be there saying this is what the Maryland style rye is. But, you know, I, I don't, you know, necessarily think anybody's going to say it's got to be like a tequila or Kodiak. It's got to be made in Maryland. Because yeah. really, no, there's some guys doing really great Maryland style rides. Oh, yeah. Not a lot of people know what Maryland style rye is. Yeah, you know, we've had some great articles in the New York Times and um, Garden Gun. I guess we're that. Yeah, Garden Gun. Garden Gun. Yeah. yeah, so great magazine. It's kind of talk about Maryland style <laughs> rye. It's kind of really weird. Yeah, kind of yeah. I'm like Garden say and Gun. I mean, what? Yeah, Proper. Lindsay saw yeah. it. She goes, "What's Garden and Gun?" <laughs> I'm like, uh, "It's I don't know." Yeah, they came, it's interesting. They came to a former distillery store. Did they really? Really? Oh. It's a great magazine. Yeah, you know, it is. It's really cool. It's crazy, though. It's but I think you know, we're still in such an infancy to this growth. If you think about how long Scotch has been doing it, or even go back to wine, I think ultimately, if this continues, and then you're going to get more hyper-local stuff, where it's going to follow wine. And it'll be, what is the classification of a mid-Atlantic yeah. whiskey? Like, And then it'll help also will help clear where stuff's being made. Because at some point, we're going to hit a mass where it's like, look, you can't, I got to know where your whiskey's coming from. And you need to, to sell, you need to fall into this category. So you might be from, you know, some distiller in Louisiana, but you're buying from MGP, you fall under the Indiana whiskey category. Gotcha. Um, am I, you know, am I, we're probably still 10, 15 years away from that. But if this trend continues for the consumer's own sake and to put some, some rules in place, so yeah. to speak, so I think you're going to, yeah, I think you're going to end up following wine or, you know, yeah. scotch. Hey, here's what Highland is. Here's what Isla, here's what middle, you know, the, the not middle, the space side yeah. um, is. And, and we'll start to get some kind of definitions of what's what um, kind of once we catch up. Yeah, like, spirits yeah. are growing so fast. I think, you know, along with like, because you see that with wine. Yeah. You know, you see like, mm-hmm. am I looking for Sonoma Napa, Russian River, right. you know, different, um, you know, Alexander Valley yep. type of wine. You're bragging you have again. that. Spirits <laughs> eventually get that. It depends on how much they want to regulate it. You Would know, you and want there's that? not. Um, Would you want like Maryland rye on your. I, I just, I yes. think because, yeah, I think <laughs> because of the history yes. and what you guys have uh, re- rebirthed. Yeah. Why the fuck not? And we look at everything, you know, when you develop a mission statement and you develop what kind of what, why you're doing what you do, you really got to look at yeah. everything 
you do needs to lean up to why you're doing it. And if, it's, if it doesn't fall into that category, it doesn't mean you can't do it. Yeah, it doesn't mean you can't do it, but you need a question of going, okay, why am I doing this? Does it go up to our end goal of making Maryland famous or making Ryan again? Inspiring global fashion. I agree. I agree. And I think putting Maryland in really trying to vocalize that and get that out there as much as we can is, is that directly ties to what we're trying to do. Now with that though comes more opportunity, well possible opportunities. That's where what was it? I can't remember I'm really bad about notating things on paper, but and even in my mind. So I associating yourself with something iconic I find helps. Mm-hmm. You know, you could be that iconic thing in Maryland. But then again, what do the Baltimore Ravens become that? Or is it your uh, distance from DC, you know, do you align yourself with something larger, multi-billion-dollar uh, establishment, you know, uh, entity that allows you to really bring yourself to that forefront and then have that power and/or, you know? Yeah, I think we build it. So, and and I think you look at a lot of companies that are based out of Baltimore, based out of Maryland, to where they build it, and yeah. where you get staying power is when you. You know, slowly Correct. you start growing. You know, we've all seen the success overnight where suppliers come in, they have a vodka, and they pump millions of dollars in the market. You see this really quick jump, mm-hmm. and then it falls flat big right. time because consumers never bought into why you're doing what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a very, very slow um, growth. You know, and when you get that, that's where you get that consumer loyalty, and that's where you get that. Yeah. So you you really look for people to grow up with us. So you know, one of our marketing campaigns we're really really looking to, you know, the millennial consumer. You know, one of the reasons we came out with a pint is for the millennial consumer. So you which is totally six-pack white claws. Sure, something. yeah, white claws all day. <laughs> uh, you know, but you're looking at, at the pint. Yeah. Why am I buying a pint? Well, because I'm jumping on the bus, I'm going to buy some juice, I'm going to drink it on my way home from work. Mm, no, let's look at premium. You know, let's look at, you're seeing more and more premium whiskeys are doing the pint for trial. And we're not saying put it behind the counter because that's not where we belong. That's not where our whiskey consumer is shopping. Our whiskey consumer is shopping in the whiskey aisle. Now, they've never had Sagamore before. So they can drop $42, $40, $39.99 on a bottle of signature if they've never had it. Yeah. As a millennial, as a younger consumer, to take to a party, to share with the friends, probably not. But for $19.99, you know what? I might try it. So, and that's, and I think we're very, very early with that. I think they're, it's still growing, but you're seeing brands uh, like High West that are coming out with, uh, you know, pints and are looking at that to really as a trial, yeah. you know, not as a grab and go. Yeah, because well, I, I was at Bitter Pops as a shout out to Bitter Pops. Shout out to Bitter Pops. Megan, Mike, uh, Caroline, Nick, Sir Morley, they're no. um, I was there just, you know, checking in and hanging, saying hi, and you guys were right underneath. Union horse in pine sauce. Mm-hmm. Yep, we did a Father's Day custom yeah, gift thing there. Thing, or yeah. Jessica did, not me, but. Yeah. Shout out to Jesse. <laughs> yeah. What's up, Jesse? <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things that I notice. I'm like, good. Because sometimes, I, you know, when you come to market with certain ideas and, and then the intent behind it is to allow for you not to invest so much up front to try, as you mentioned, Chad, but to also like, create that fandom. At what point do you transition that into, all right, Gave us a shot. Now you're ready for a fifth. Right. You know. So where does that come in? Where 
or is that just something you know you ride until they would ask for it, or is like, hey, you know, you graduated, you need to get into this. Business. Yeah, and I, you know, I really think where we have the different expressions, yeah. yeah, where we have the different expressions, places. really will allow for that. So you know, there are different price points, there are different proofs. So you've got that signature for that, you know, that millennial consumer, that new to rye whiskey, new to whiskey in general. You know, they're new to life. Right? Let's just be honest. Yeah, I have no idea yeah. what life is. <laughs> So let's just, they do, you know. They and like to be told what to drink and what to do. And, and they're, they're all about experience. By their phone, you, you though. You see that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Text them, buy the fucking shit. Yeah. But that's what you're looking at is, like, how, you know, how is that window consumer shopping? What are they looking for? They're looking for experience. So how can we really activate that and speak to that consumer? And we know we're not going to be the day-in, day-out whiskey, but we're looking to be that whiskey of, you know what, I'm going to try something new. They haven't heard, you know, my friends have never heard about this. I found it. I'm going to buy it for 20 bucks. I'm going to buy it for $40. Take it to my friends. You know, they haven't seen it before. And it's something new and right. exciting. Eventually, hopefully, we get to that point where we have pretty wide, widespread knowledge of our brand and people know it. Yeah. And then you've got the other expressions. So, you know, you can go to the cast of Double Oak, but then you have those, you know, limited time offerings, those LTOs, those one and done that yeah. are coming out, the distiller selects that are super interesting. So, it keeps people in the category and hopefully with and I, 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 I appreciate you saying that because that was the idea behind Bitter Pops. You know, they're, they're craft beer. Mm-hmm. They're beer, beer, beer. But they saw that you know, people are coming in and trying different things, you know, beer-wise. Why wouldn't they try something outside of beer? So, you know, the fifth, you know, the, the, uh, you know, what we call our, our ponies, our pints. Yeah. You know, they're like, hey, perfect place for them to do mm-hmm. so. So it's like, so when I saw you guys there just yesterday, I'm like, yeah, thank God I'm not an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think it's still, like I said, I think it's really, really new. I, I don't think most consumers are like, even in Baltimore and, and in Maryland, you know, lots of the pints are putting it behind the shelf. Retailers, it's a really kind of tough pill to swallow because you're like, well, no, small sizes go behind the counter because of theft and everything else. And, yeah. And it's, it's, right. a re- it's a learning curve, and I don't think they're there yet. Some retailers are going, no, yep, that's why we have these premium sizes mm-hmm. is because it's for trial. And it's fun. It's exciting. You're I like, think it's cool. How cool is it? Yeah. Like 20 bucks? Like, yeah, I can yeah. take it to a party, and I don't care that... You know, I'm not going to leave with it, and I don't care that all my friends are going to drink it that I know don't like whiskey, but they just want to. They're going to try it anyway. Try it, yeah, yeah. and it's a, it's fun. No, I love it. I, I love it. Thank you. Yeah, that's kick ass. I dig it. Sweet. It is. Well, we uh, I've got to get out of here in a couple of minutes because the guys on the middle of the stairs for their big release party. But um, yeah, guys, sorry for technical difficulties. No worries. Uh, but thank you for joining us. Is there anything else up than Friday the 13th that you want to promote while here? Nah, just come find us at the Indie Spirit Show, um, and then keep your eye out for Cognac Hit and Shelves. Then this distill release, uh, you imagine drinking this on the west side with the smell of the chocolate factory right yeah, there, yeah, right. and enjoying that. Then we go over to two, and, and I, they have Star Ward and, and Sag Ward. Admired your bottles there yesterday. So, But, uh, yeah, just keep an eye out for the port to, to switch into Cognac, followed by what will be called the Russian Imperial Stout Finish. And then um, we're out there, we're tasting and hustling, and, um, try try a cold fashion when you see it. Very, very much so, yeah. Mr. Black is a portfolio mate of Star Wars that uh, they're working with. That's a delicious, the best the best uh, coffee uh, tour out there. By it's, far. It's, by, it's, far. It's, by far. By it's far. It's so good. Um, you see out there, definitely try that. Um, it's a nice little uh, shot to pick you up at the end of the night, too, if you want to go a few extra hours. Uh, I think he's going to like caffeine rush. Um, 
guys, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Wilson will be kind of uh, out there with me and with Brett all over Chicago doing any spirits. A bunch of other events we posted on our Instagram too. Uh, we are Keen the Lake at KeenTheLake.com. Check out uh, Sagamore, Evening Horse, and uh, Star Wars Whiskey, if you will. So guys, thanks for watching. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers, Uncle Chad. Uncle Chad. <laughs> <laughs>